Welcome to Gold Star Classroom, the podcast where our panelists go back to school. I'll grade them on their answers to a variety of general knowledge and trivia questions. They don't know what I'm going to ask, and I don't know what they're going to say. The student with the highest grade at the end of today's class will win the coveted classroom prize, the Golden Banana. I'm your host and professor, Dr. Jerry Joffe. Welcome to today's episode of Gold Star Classroom. I'm your host and headmaster, Dr. Jerry Jaffe, and it's my pleasure to introduce today's students. Sitting on my right is a comedian who recently released his new CD, Keith Bergman. Hello there. Hey, Keith. Welcome to class. Thank you. And sitting on my left is a comedian who opens for Don Jameson and Jim Florentine and has his CD available on iTunes, Joe Howard. Thank you. Look at Good you. Good yes. Look at you. Yes. <laughs> To my students listening at home, I'd like to point out that Joe has fantastic tattoos, uh-huh. and they will in no way affect his grading, because we're a modern PC classroom that doesn't discriminate. <laughs> and sitting directly across from me is the host, co-host of VH1's That Metal Show, Don Jameson. Dr. Don Jameson. Dr. Don Jameson. <laughs> Please. Welcome. Yes. If Dr. Phil can be a doctor, so can you. Absolutely. <laughs> well, welcome to class. It's my job as your professor to quiz you on topics across the width and breadth of human learning, and then, as any good teacher would, grade your answers. At the end of today's class, the student with the highest grade will receive the coveted classroom prize, the Golden Banana. Woo! Oh. And should oh. any students achieve maximum nerdity in their answers today, they will receive the Daily Nerd Prize. Sorry, I got thrown by the golden banana. <laughs> you're, you're still picturing it in your head, right? Was it a the, Bond film? <laughs> if I get the golden banana, there's no telling what I'm going to do with it. It's going to go up somewhere. As well it should be. And already the uh, podcast has gone downhill. <laughs> I'm sure there's room for it in your third floor, fifth bedroom. No, I was, for I was thinking or? more of an orifice. This is a TV saying. show. Sorry, this I know, is a TV nice. friendly no, thing. No, I thought I was being clean. No, we actually orifice. call it the third floor, fifth bedroom right. in Manor. That's what yeah, we do. Right, right. <laughs> an orifice is a perfectly scientific yes, medical word to use. Yes, I was being use. medical. The doctor's here. It's orifice. I figured I'd be nice. Well, so, uh, gentlemen, and to our students listening at home, let me introduce you to our first topic. Go ahead. I'm going to tell you that the initial question is going to sound simple. But like a Russian doll, there's inner layers. Okay. My question to you, students, is this. Why, universally, are barns red? I will tell you there are three reasons, each more devious than the last. Well. Although one, the first answer might be obvious. If you don't know it, you'll... Oh, that's obvious. Well, I, I got the number what do you one answer. This is like Family Feud. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Because, like, back when, like, they invented barns and stuff. Sure, yes. Like, that was the only color. (laughs) They hadn't invented any other colors yet. (laughs) Keith or Joe, do you have any alternative Uh, answers? I would say because um, barns are red because mail pouch chewing tobacco didn't get to them in time (laughs) to paint mail pouch chewing tobacco advertisements on the barns. Wrong. Is that wrong? But that, that is an answer that shows your livelihood crisscrossing this country. Yes. It's a well-observed, astute observation. I love when I see a mail pouch painted <laughs> barn. It's always black, and it's like, that's cool. Keith, what do you think? Why are barns painted red? 
almost universally. I'm going to go with some kind of half-assed, like I know what I'm talking about. Like go maybe, maybe that was the color of some, you know, in the 1800s there was something, there was a particular kind of paint or wood coloring that would stain or protect from termites and that sort of thing, and that it was only you couldn't mix other colors with it at the time <laughs> with the limited technology they had. Um, you are groping in the correct direction. He's I'd trying to steal my answer without stealing <laughs> it. One thing you said, which is actually true, is that barns have been painted red for hundreds of years. That is an old custom. It's not like a 20th century or even an American thing. That is a standard historical thing that barns have regularly been painted red. It's not because it was the first color or somehow the most, to paraphrase you, Keith, <laughs> common color either. It's actually because red is the cheapest color. Oh. That's what it was? That is the reason. Oh. So that's why all my girlfriends have red lipstick and... <laughs> yeah, <laughs> see? That's the connection. <laughs> they're, they're all cheap. I Correct. understand. And they're as big as the side of a barn? Some of them. <laughs> well. <laughs> On a side note, I painted my shed uh, with uh, my ex-wife's menstrual blood. <laughs> Whoa! Because <laughs> it was free. He's being scientific. You can't get mad at him. Right. That's... It was free. It didn't cost me a dime. Well, it ties in with the cheapness factor. Now, do you have any, um, have you been told that red is the cheapest color of paint, especially historically for farmers over the centuries? Do you have any idea why red would be the cheapest color? Uh, they mixed it with the blood of heretics. Neither the blood of heretics <laughs> nor the blood of ex-wives. Yes. Blood of animals? Um, it, in fact, has nothing to do with blood. Jeez. You got two metal guys on this thing. and you're. However, it has something to, to do with metal. metal. Five points. Mm, metal. That's the connection. I am planning ahead. Does it have to do with lead or something? Not no. lead. Okay. But uh, um, iron. that's the right kind of iron. Yes. What about iron? Tell me, Rust, Rocky. oxidizing. Oxidized dust. Throw words out. Yes, right, but, but they are sense. the right words. Okay. okay. Uh, uh, oxidized um, iron oxide mm -hmm. or rust is a common phenomenon in the soil. And if you have nothing and you're making paint at home, it's the easiest, cheapest material to mix with. So that is why. So 10 points for Keith for there bringing up iron oxide. Show off. Yes. Now, red paint is the cheapest. It's cheapest because of iron oxide. Why is iron so common that it would be so prevalent and easy to get for you know, farmers or people of the earth? Uh, well, Illuminati. Because it comes out of the <laughs> ground? That, I work with iron. No, strangely, that is like half right, but there's yeah. a, the, the, the more, a little bit of a physics question here, actually. How does it happen that there's so much sort of iron You're mixed into the soil? You're acting like I'm smart. I dropped out of high school. You Seriously. Well, you get 10 <laughs> points for knowing so much despite the fact that you dropped out of high school, but minus 100 points for dropping out of high school. <laughs> well, I mean, I'm a dummy. That's why well, I tell dick jokes. Well, We're leading by why example here. I'm trying okay. to that's why I'm glad you came to class today. <laughs> okay. It's my job to elevate well, teach you. teach me something. I'm just going to listen. I'm going to teach you. <laughs> okay. I, I, this is all over, I know about iron is motorhead iron fists. <laughs> <laughs> iron, I know that. That's Very good iron. Album. Yes. Right. I know that when yes. I was a child... Plus five iron fist points for Don Jameson. <laughs> hey, now. <laughs> I know when I was a child, I had a slingshot, and I went down to the Lorraine where the iron ore... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, five seconds to complete the story. Ready, go. <laughs> well, I used to steal iron ore pellets, and I used right. to shoot them in my slingshot. That's all. Thanks a lot, Don. That explains a lot. Right. <laughs> yes. 
Joe is trying to share his life experience. I was trying to give you a story. I don't know. So the earth has iron in it. And everything that's in the earth, all the materials and elements, come from a source. Sure. And that source is sort of an astronomy question. Asteroids. Motorhead. <laughs> Asteroids and motorhead are both good answers. Um, and asteroids and that material, in a nutshell, are born in suns. When suns explode, they shoot their materials out into the void of space. Right. And as it happens, when a sun dies, iron is one of the most common elements in it. Hmm. Why didn't you say that? Yeah, why didn't because any of you say that? I don't that? know. This you guy's like telling about a slingshot. This, guy, <laughs> this guy's that. pretending to be smart, and he lives in Menor. So he, the... he is smart. <laughs> Four million years later, you're taking the guts of a dying sun and flicking it at cans and breaking windows with it. Yeah. yeah. That's fine. Yeah. <laughs> it's way well, better than, you know. Go ahead. Thank you. So, kind of, so I'm saying I, that's kind of like Zeus or something. You're, you're, okay. You're, that's godlike behavior. Sure. But I promised I would um, teach you something today. Okay. And you and all my students at home now know why iron is so prevalent in the Earth's surface because of when suns explode. I wasn't listening. Got it. Well, <laughs> I was listening. Please, please <laughs> listen to this podcast later when it's published. Okay. <laughs> then, okay. then you'll learn something, okay, I promise. Okay, good. Maybe your life will improve. You'll have forgotten you were even here I by would. That point. Um, I'm going to take this moment to subtotal your points so far, which is not difficult because there's a lot of zeros involved. <laughs> um, Hamlet, Prince Hamlet in Shakespeare's play once said, there's more under heaven and earth than are in our books, but I'm waiting to find anything. <laughs> so it's all zero. It's all zeros at this point. I thought, you, you I thought he got ten. Points. I thought he I was, got something. Yeah. He's got ten. No. Come on. Don't question the math of the teacher. Minus five points. All right. Jeez. Oh. Jesus. This is brutal. <laughs> Gary, help me out here. I'm start smacking up with a ruler pretty soon. Yes. The cr- even the crowd's getting angry. I noticed that. Settle down, students. I'll send you to the principal's office. We would like to take this opportunity to invite you to visit our website, www.goldstarclassroom.com. You'll find an archive of all past and current episodes, a list of all students from past seasons, a photo gallery, links to some of our sponsors, and the all-important donate button. As Benjamin Franklin once said, if you like a podcast, you should support it. And now, back to class. So, who was the first human in space? Yuri Gagarin. Nerds! We have a winner of today's nerd prize. Keith Bergman. Jeez, there we go. Christ. Uh, you I was, right was going to say John Glenn. First American well, in space. I thought he was a center for the Canadians. Oh. <laughs> That's very funny. He did play hockey. Yeah. Ooh. So I should get five Yuri points Gagarin. for that. He should get five points. Yeah, you get five jock points for knowing something from sports right. history. I'll take That's it. excellent. When did... Which means you can steal the nerd prize later and stuff me in a locker. Yes. <laughs> when did Yuri Gagarin go into space? Oh, hell. Um, How about the year? The year, come on. Come on, 19... Come on, there's a smart guy in here somewhere. 56. Woody, uh, Keith says 1956, Don that's, or Joe? That's too early. I'd say, ni- I'd say like, 93. 93? <laughs> Joe, I'm going to give you a clue. The correct answer is between those two numbers. <laughs> 57? I'm doing prices right. Didn't you say 57? Stuff. I said 56. 56, 56. oh. 57. Yes. Uh, so I went to... Uh, so I win. 
The correct answer is 1961. That means I won. You, you win. Yes, yeah, but you won Price is Right, so you have I to know. ask Drew Carey for a prize. No, but I'm just saying, where's my points? <laughs> Drew Carey has your points. Oh, well. <laughs> that little yodeling guy has them. He's about to fall That's off fine. the mountain. He opens Freddie Griffin. <laughs> I have before. Now, to be the, shall we say, in the record books as the first human in space, that has to be certified by like an independent international body. Of course. Um, does anyone know the name of the international body that certifies such things? I'll guess. Kate Upton's an international body. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, how are you? Guess, if, you're, if he's the only guy that's ever been in space, how is anybody else going to certify that? Because there were—that's a great question. Because there were rules set up by this organization that certify such things, saying to be the first person in space, you have to fulfill certain criteria. But and then the Russian space program had to prove they fulfilled all those criteria. Is it? And I will say, 1961. <laughs> correct. <laughs> I will say that although the name of this obscure organization, of course, is a stupid question, the reason I'm asking you this question is not just to edify you, but there's actually something controversial about Yuri Gagarin's claim to being the first man in space, which is what I want to actually make one more question about Yuri Gagarin. Um, Does edify but, mean he gives us some pizza? <laughs> no, edifies like Spotify for your brain. Oh, okay. Is it the LFA? It um, it's the Federation of Aeronautique Internationale in France. Oh come on! And they I was certify say Ripley's Believe It or Not. They certify Ripley's. I'm not learning anything. This is making me feel bad about myself. Ripley's <laughs> plus ten self-esteem points for Joe Howard. Oh, see, thank you. <laughs> Who is now winning the game by 10. Wow. Um, that sounds like Star Trek kind of stuff. Yeah, I don't um, like it. The FAI registers all kinds of aeronautical and space accomplishments, and it sets up criteria. Did someone tell them to do that, or did they just decide to be jerks one day and measure people's accomplishments? No, going back at least into the late 1800s, okay. there were all kinds of, like, uh, the early days of aviation, even including hot air ballooning and people trying to invent the airplane. So there were all kinds of records being set. And a lot of the times it was in Europe, and the French are pompous. So it was sort of a natural, perfect storm to create an organization that would certify these records. Um, now, there is a controversy about whether or not Yuri Gagarin is actually the first person in space. Um, Keith, you knew that Yuri Gagarin is considered the first human in space. Do you know anything about the controversy as to whether or not he really was the first human in space? There was some doping involved. <laughs> he was betting on games. I don't know. That's, <laughs> I know. That's you know, just wrong. He only had one testicle. PEDs. Um, yeah. Well, I heard he, he, was, he tried to do it a year before, but Kanye West interrupted him. <laughs> so it took another year. The first time they thought it was him, he actually just put a mask of himself on one of those space monkeys. <laughs> <laughs> the, that FAI... Because people like the U.S. and Russia were trying to get to space, set up these rules ahead of time. And one of the initial rules was that you had to safely land your vehicle. But in fact, the Russians could not figure out how to safely land their vehicle. So Yuri Gagelin bailed instead of crash landing. And the Russians hid that fact from the FAI. And so now, like, let's just say... So it's a lot like Lance Armstrong, actually. It's yes. kind of, there's an asterisk there. Okay. There is an asterisk there. So wait, oh. so he bailed out from space? Well, as the craft was landing, oh. he had like an ejector seat. I'm simplifying just to make the point, but he 
left the craft rather than have a safe landing. See, that's why he's not even my top 100 astronauts. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's way down the list. Right. Way down. Um, modern historians of space travel, like, note the asterisk, but still credit him as the first. Well, he was in space, space, whether yes. he came, once he left, I mean, who... Who cares how he got back out of space? Joe Howard, your um, despondence reminds me that some people have suggested that sometimes I'm a little too hard on my students and oh. that I should do more to build up their self-esteem. Okay. So I have here a list of 101 random ways to praise a student. Okay. And I'd just like to tell all of you guys, beautiful work. Okay. Aww. Okay. I feel read, read the other hundred. <laughs> <laughs> I have to. I have to paste them out over the life oh, of the podcast. Right. Okay. Okay. I, I thought we were going to do them all here. You don't want to start feeling too good about yourself. That's true. I don't want to build up my self-esteem like I'm actually a person. I'll Let never feel that good about myself. <laughs> well, he could read. He could read three hundred. I would never let's, feel good. Let's turn our attention to pop culture and film history. This is yes, where I'm gonna, let's. Okay. This is much better. This is where I take the lead. All right. <laughs> Me too. Who played Pennywise in the film version of It? Tim Curry. Correct. Yes. Gold star. Gary Gilgarin. Damn it. <laughs> he was in the off-Broadway What version. I have here is actually, although I use the Tim Curry one as a modern example just to whet your appetite, uh, Universal Studios made the series of famous classic horror movies, and I just have a list here of the actors who played all the monsters. Yes. Okay. So these are in the classic Universal films, and this is kind of like a speed round. So okay, I'll say the name it. of the film and yes. see who knows the answer. In the original 1931 Frankenstein, who played the monster? Boris Karloff. Correct. Five points. In the original 1931 Dracula, who played Dracula? Oh, go see. Five points. Uh-oh, he's coming up here. Uh, he still looks sad. Both <laughs> Frankenstein and Dracula actually received silent movie treatments. So there are actually the earlier film versions, but those are the universal ones. Yes. The famous silent version of Dracula... There was a legal dispute about the name, so they wound up. That's why it's called Nosferatu instead of Dracula. Yeah. Uh, but a famous German actor played Nosferatu. Max Schreck. Five points. God damn you! <laughs> damn uh, by which Joe means gosh darn you. Yes. Gosh darn Keith. you. <laughs> You'd know that if you had more later played by Willem Dafoe. I know that. <laughs> yes, that's I right. know. Yeah, that. That's a good movie one. too. Stop derailing the later questions. The uh, original 1941 Wolfman. Lon Chaney. Junior. There you go. Benicio ah! Del Toro. <laughs> I had it. Also another good wolf man. 1923 Hunchback of Notre Dame. Lon Chaney, Junior. Senior. Lon Senior. Ah! <laughs> Original 1932 The Mummy. Boris Karloff. Correct. Five ah. points. It's Boris Karloff. Um, <laughs> correct. Five points for Keith. Um... The original Lon Chaney Sr., who appeared primarily in silent films, was known for his makeup artist skills of, in the day, and he had a famous nickname. Anyone know his famous nickname? Vincent Price. <laughs> no, but we do cover Vincent Price on another episode of this podcast. Like the, the man of something. Man of a thousand faces. Keith Bergman. Wait, 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 I helped him. <laughs> well, this is a lightning Nonsense. round. Nonsense. You round. can give him one and a half of my points. Okay, you guys are... <laughs> Time sharing your points. Nonsense. Um, Universal took some of these monster movies and started like having sequels and combined ones. And in particular, because of all the sequels, some other actors played Frankenstein after Boris Karloff. Oh, so I have here a list of the other major actors in the Universal film world of those, you know, 40s. 
Um, who played? Johnny Depp. Monster. Not Johnny Depp. Does anyone know who played any of the other Frankensteins? Oh, man. Um, Curly from the Three Stooges. <laughs> Peter Boyle. Shemp? No. B. B. Arthur. No. <laughs> That's a good one. <laughs> Peter Boyle. Five points for a good one. All right. Um, the Bride of Frankenstein is also Karloff. Um, the Ghost of Frankenstein is Lon Chaney Jr. Okay. House of Frankenstein, um, a, an actor who was mildly famous in his own right but is not an icon like these other guys, took over the role and played him in the next three films, and that was like the last actor in the series. So bonus points if anyone knows the other actor who played Frankenstein in House of Frankenstein, House of Dracula, and Abbott and Costello Meet Frankenstein, which was Holy the last crap. film in the series. Really slumming it there. A little um, bit. Steven Seagal. Peter Lorre. He looks like Steven Seagal. <laughs> No Peter Laurie, although another favorite of the Gold Star Classroom. <laughs> I don't um, know it. In these last three movies, they were all like, um, like monster, like monster fest. There was Dracula would be in them, and Wolfman would be in them, and the Frankenstein monster was sort of turned into just like a dumb thug, whereas in the earlier movies with like Carlo, yeah, a little bit <laughs> like Joe, uh, but not as good looking, and he has, Joe has way better tattoos. <laughs> He's a handsome man. Uh, handsome fellow. Anyway, so the sort of dumb, the dumb, lumbering Frankenstein's monster of those last three movies was played by a uh, well-known character actor, Glenn Strange. It's not well-known. No. Stop with the nonsense. <laughs> You're so full of it. I it's am a not well-known. I got a piece of it. Stop it. Go pee. All right. Well, gentlemen. Yes. While I prepare to tally your final grades and determine who the winner of today's classroom prize is. You didn't is, keep score. I'm doing all kinds of things over here you're not even aware of. Okay. <laughs> all right. I told you, Illuminati, man. All right. Um, I'm going to give you all one more chance to... Score a point. So I'm going to give you your extra credit topic, and then you tell me something about it. Your, today's extra credit topic is American history. Do you know any interesting mm -hmm. facts, factoids, data, trivia about American history? Oh, yeah. I know that... Um, Don, go. Harry Belafonte started the Civil War. Excellent. I will fact check that later. If it turns out to be true, I will award you 10 bonus points. It's true. <laughs> Joe or Keith, show us why you're the factotum. Um, the factotum poll was actually a very common feature in the American West. <laughs> very good. It was, the, it was a better totem pole than the other totem poles and was really arrogant about it. And that's a fact. So there you go. All totem. Right. And Joe Howard, tell us some... Without about. doing my bit, I will discuss that in American history... Yes. A Cleveland Indian named Ray Chapman was killed with a baseball <laughs> in 1920, and he died, and he's buried in a cemetery near my house. That's what I would like to say. He's the only person that ever died playing Major League Baseball. That's good. Right. That's history. That is history. Gosh, yeah. damn it. Gosh darn it. <laughs> All right. So it remains for me to tally your final points and award the coveted classroom prize of the Golden Banana to the student with the highest score. And the student with the highest score today is Joe Howard. Yes. Wow. You yes. uneducated blob. 
Yes. How did Joe win this? Right up because my it's because he, he learned the most he during got, the class. Because he got Frankenstein points. <laughs> He learned the most yeah, during the I class. I'm, I, this is on the Where protest. is the golden banana? Because me and my girlfriend are going to use it. <laughs> it, is, it is awarded in a separate ceremony after the podcast. Oh, darn it. So it just I remains it. for me, your host and headmaster, Dr. Jerry Joppe, to thank you, my students, Keith. Thanks. Don. Pleasure. Thank you. Thank you. And Joe. Please address me I as just, the winner. As the winner, Joe. <laughs> I just yes. want to say the last yes. time I was the winner. Right, well. And so I got dumber since the last time, but. Or, or the students No, you're just you sitting next to greatness. That's yeah. the only thing. You're, you are the salami in a greatness sandwich with two great pieces of wheat bread greatness. I'm fantastic, Don. You don't have a chance. <laughs> Thank and, you. All right, you got, a, you got a Power Ranger on your arm. And I will, <laughs> on that happy note, I will say thank you to the students listening at home, and thank you. Thank you. Thank Woo! You. Gold Star Classroom is written and produced by Jerry Jaffe. Our producer and engineer is Stephen Gutierrez. Original music composed and produced by Jeff Geddert. Mr. Geddert is also our assistant producer. All commentary and opinions expressed by guests of Gold Star Classroom are meant for entertainment purposes only. For Gold Star Classroom, I'm Jerry Jaffe.